0: Hi guys, before we start the show, I just wanted to put a little message up top addressing what's going on in the world right now. All of us here at Rice's Rights have been shook to the core by what happened in the States and we stand with Black Lives Matter and the black community around the world fighting for justice. I realise it's already a bad time in the world, but in the description down below, there's a link that leads you to resources on how you can help actively or if you're unable to go out how to help from home. I hope everyone stays safe while fighting the good fight. Black Lives Matter, the yellow peril stands with black power. Okay, now on with the episode.
1: Welcome to Rice is Rice, a podcast about the British East Asian experience on all things Asian and not. I'm, Karen. I'm Connor. And I'm Jem. And I don't think I had a tiger mum, but in comparison to white mums. Then my mum, I guess, was tigerish.
0: I think, isn't the whole concept of tiger mum not a white person anyway? Is the an Asian I don't person know, specifically. Because a
1: tiger mum, I think, is given that stereotype of like hella harsh, never tell you that they love you, uh, make you play loads of instruments and be the best at it and also do gymnastics and like basically try I to think do everything.
0: I had a. I think my mum was definitely tiger mum to an extent. And they listen to this podcast. So I'm going to get a call <laughs> later. Uh, but I think my mum was definitely caring. My parents are definitely caring and stuff, obviously. I'm not fucking, you know, they're not horrible mm-hmm. people. But they definitely pushed me to the point where I was like, not wanting to, to do it anymore. So I guess in that aspect, they're tigerish. Also, they were like on top of me for school.
1: I yeah, my, my that's why I said like, I think in comparison to white mums, my mum would seem like it because in my house, like education is everything. I had to, like I was a straight A student, straight A star student, kind of thing. The
0: litmus test is if you get a bad grade, are you sad because you got a bad grade or are you sad because your parents are going to know that you got a bad grade? Because for me, when I got a bad grade, I was scared because, oh shit, my parents.
1: I think mine was both.
0: Interesting. Kieran, what about you? Your only child? (laughs) Yeah.
2: Oh, wait. I didn't know you were the only child. Yes, I never got the comparison. Yeah, the only child. But I don't know. I felt like I was pretty spoiled. But anyways, I do feel that my mum is very tigerish because she slammed me and and basically told me to keep on studying, Um, even up to uni. Oh,
0: I thought you meant like physically got on your head and like slapped you. I was like, "Damn, auntie.
2: But no, I remember that I got a bad grade, and I think she punished me. And I have very vivid memories of you know my mum punishing me when I did something wrong. And I think culturally, um, Asian parents are are strict. They just
0: are. Yeah, in, in yeah, yeah. yeah. To, I think, um you know other mums so i think it's a very results heavy yeah culture. Definitely. and definitely yeah. not in the I process think...
2: of you seeing your child grow it's more like no you need to have a degree have a car have a family yes. have this
0: yeah, and yeah.
2: i think did, don't you
1: it's like measurable success yeah
0: yeah exactly to to compare to other yeah. of her friends my kids, parents was basically. never to
1: do with comparing i don't think i think for them it was like that immigrant I think, mindset. i don't
0: think outwardly i don't think outwardly but i think every parent every asian parent looks at other kids and be like oh where's my kid like compared to them yeah, like not didn't say it, it but maybe in mind, their mind
2: um do you remember that film connor uh on netflix where it's about the asian dad and how he then went through a divorce oh that, tail. for me though hits the nail on the head on why Asian parents are the way they are. When they have to literally immigrate oh, from one that. country to another and go through all of that hardship. Yeah. You know, it's I think it's their way of experiencing, you know, oppression.
1: Question. Do you think you guys will be tiger parents? Or do you think you're going to be
0: yeah. chill? <laughs> I do think I am going to be. I think I'm
1: going to be do pretty you
2: think- chill. I, I'm a pretty chill person in general. But maybe in terms yeah. of, like, if I see my child fucking up, then boy I'm going to be going hard on them to make sure that they don't but at the yeah. same time I'm going to definitely allow them to have that extra freedom because that's what my dad's personally given to me and it's mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I'm not, not going to be chill but my, pu- my children are going to respect me mm-hmm. and they're going to do are well. gonna yeah, but are they going to respect
1: <laughs> you because yeah that's the thing are they going to yeah, yeah, respect you because they're scared of you or are they going to respect you because they genuinely you yeah. respect you
0: no because I was never scared of my parents in the way that I was like fearful of getting Their opinion mattered because I know what they had to go through mm-hmm. So they don't want to disappoint them basically mm. So it wasn't, it wasn't fear in that in sense It was more like I don't want to let them down because you know they've worked hard and all this stuff Yeah To get me to where I am But it basically is like a wasted opportunity you know Yeah yeah
1: yeah um. Yeah I don't know, I think I was a mix of like fear and also disappointment. <laughs> I, I'm definitely fear at points. Like that's why I think of that the way I, I think I well I think I'd like to think I'd be a lot more of like a chill mom Um, because I think whilst I do I completely can't wait appreciate to see you
0: as a mom, I would be hilarious.
1: Why? Because
0: <laughs> of how you are at the moment, you calling up a kid and crying at random shit. I can't wait to see what your kid does a random shit you're crying over. Like, Jim, what this is not even like why are you crying over this
1: i just would want to have um the kind of relationship i view that i want with my children is a very like emotionally open relationship but then i'm also super impatient and i sometimes like i see the way i act towards (laughs) my little brother and i'm like oh my god i'm turning into my parents yeah i think it's a balance do you think you guys i don't know whether you guys have it in your culture but in philippines like you have that ballot like you get hit by like a slipper or
0: something yeah we have um anything that they can grab their hands on <laughs> usually a wooden spoon i feel like like a like a cooking spoon yeah or a ruler um my dad had a stick like a like a plank of like a thin plank of wood he would co- we would call it a naughty stick and he drew a face like a frown face <laughs> on it <laughs> That was i,
2: mean, when I we were had really a feather little. duster and it was thin uh, uh, and you know that if if the surface area is thinner, boy, is it going to be more like a whipping
0: pain.
1: Oh.
0: The worst thing my dad said when he was younger, my granddad used a piece of bamboo on him, and bamboo apparently is the worst because oh. if there's a crack in it, it will stretch open when it's going down, oh, and when and it hits your when it hits your skin, skin, it will like grip it, okay, and then yeah. it will yeah. no come levels. back. Yeah. Like, bruh,
2: <laughs> we we are not getting bamboo <laughs> sticks.
0: That's not <sighs> a fresh off the boat type yeah. beating. <laughs> But yeah, it's fine. There, there should be a, there should be a PTSD group for immigrant kids that got beat. <laughs> they probably you
1: know. are, somewhere.
0: <laughs> they probably yeah, they probably are. Yeah, it's called therapy.
1: So today's specials are abstract, Dave, and normal people. Sweet.
0: Shall I kick it away? <laughs> make my one first. I guess Karen's gonna go first. <laughs> guess I'll goes see. first.
2: So I've been watching this Netflix series. Um, there's currently two seasons. It's called Abstract: The Art of Design. And me, as a dancer who loves seeing like geometrical, <laughs> um, like stuff uh, being put together, I was like, "Yo, I need to understand how these geniuses like work their minds," because they talk about uh, people who design the interface of Instagram to the invention of like the Air Jordans um, to just like finding the design aspects of photography and um, art and one of the episodes really struck me was uh, his name's Tinker Hatfield and he designed the Air Jordans and like he's created I don't know 13 I think 13 Air Jordans and like obviously the most iconic one was Um, I think the fourth one and that's what made Michael Jordan like super famous and then Uh he went on to like a few more series but there was this one particular Air Jordan that didn't do very well and it was actually a reflection of the designer's life because at that point somebody had died and so he attached that meaning towards that shoe so as much as the whole public thought that this was his worst designed shoe for him personally it was his artistic expression you know Ah. and a lot of the time with design you're there to to kind of like satisfy a function as well as being aesthetically pleasing but in that instance he was able to just be purely artistic and be expressive in what he was doing um so yeah i just thought that was like a real interesting um like magnifying glass into, you know, the minds of these kind of like amazing people. And even the Instagram one was really interesting. You know, they they were talking about how they wanted to get rid of, you know, the follower account. And then if they designed it where the follower account was below the name and all of your like bio, how that would affect your overall experience of using Instagram. Um, and then they, they did like some wacky ideas of, you know, um changing up the way the the photos were being presented um but one of the key designs of instagram and why it's so successful and addictive is that it's there's something called the endless scroll so like you you Mm. keep on scrolling and it never ends and that's what keeps you on the app and when you look into the designer explanation it's like it's genius but then the the negative aspect is that you then spend way too much time on the app, you know? For
1: sure. So
2: it was, it was interesting just because, um, you know, we, we see a lot of the the negatives, but they kind of explain it in such a way where you're like, you can appreciate and respect the thought put into it. Um, mm-hmm. e- even the, the Instagram logo, like they spent three months redesigning it from
1: Three months. Yeah,
2: like it. It was
0: obviously. Oh, from the old like yeah, brown ones to the to new, one. new multicolored ones. And they got they one. got
2: trashed. Like the, the the internet trolls, they hated it, and then once that died down, um, it was literally the best decision that Instagram could make mm. because then from there it became the most popular app at that time, you know, yeah. and obviously, um. You know, it, it was just a logo design. But then he then started to work through the other aspects of Instagram and change up that. So, yeah.
0: I love design. I love how the thought of it and like, because it, it's, it's like VFX. A good designer, you don't see their work because it's supposed to be seamless and invisible, you know. And like, well, where we live right now, we're like right next to the um, Design Museum in London. you go in there it's so interesting like how the thought process goes behind everything and like you said kieran how times in their lives affect and kind of inspire designs um i've always wanted to watch that abstract show i always see it but i've never i've never actually clicked on it yeah i I think i would i think i should watch it what was your
1: favorite episode so far
0: Mm. there was
2: a particular episode about art And basically he creates these Mm. immersive um, pieces and projects. Like one of his pieces was like this giant sun in the Tate Modern. And Mm. his particular episode was so intriguing because there was just so many levels to it. It wasn't just like, oh, this person is really good at drawing or this person's really good at sculpting. He would literally do the most in any of his installations. And what was interesting is, He's, uh, no, he wasn't German. But he was, I think, somewhere from, uh, like, northern Europe, somewhere there. Mm-hmm. And he originally was a, a body popper. Like, back in the day, he was a dancer. Ah! And he Cheers. then had a fascination for tutting, like, the the, ge- mm-hmm. the geometrical styles. And he went from being this potentially, you know, professional dancer into... the the artistic world and then seeing his journey from there um,
0: Do you see yourself in it?
2: Me, personally, like, making stuff Yeah, I can definitely see myself branching into, like, marketing and being creative in that aspect Um, also maybe using my like uh, my circle of friends that are super talented and being like, oh, how can this fit inside a particular campaign but in a more creative and maybe immersive way so, yeah, it, it kind of just gave scope for me to be like, oh, okay, these per- these people went from, s- like, doing so many amazing jobs and now they're on to doing this. So, yeah, it just makes possibility Crazy. infinite. Mm.
1: Mm. Possibility is endless.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, that, that that's me. That's my little passionate talk I'm about gonna it. I'm going
1: to have to watch this. I yeah, love Yeah, really I cool. love this kind of stuff.
0: Um. guess um, yes my suggestion um on bbc iplayer right now they have bought a series called dave that's it it's called dave so basically um it's made by fx who are the same company who made atlanta it's you know the rapper lil dicky Mm -hmm yeah so he's made a series basically kind of like a sort of self-biographical series he stars in it as little dicky or like a fictional version of him uh i don't know it just kind of goes about like how he wants how he's trying to become this like proper respected rapper but everyone just sees him as like this comedy youtube guy um and, and the comedy is just very tight and very funny and it's very and it's like only half an hour episodes each, just so like 10 episodes, so it's very easily digestible. I just think it's very well written and very well made. And I don't know if it's effects and their producers, but they've just seemed to chosen like this very good, creative brand of television. Because they recently made Devs, which has got really like big praise and is really trippy. And Atlanta, obviously, is amazing. Like anyone who's watched it agrees that it's such a good series. Um And Dave is no like different. It's just very well told and Lil dicky's funny like he's playing himself but he's still a good actor in it um a very multi cast and like it, it actually touches upon problems like in the last episode he goes to um the breakfast club which is a famous radio show in america and it's presented by Charlemagne the god and he basically just goes so dave um, you have a black friend and do you think you're a culture vulture because you're doing a black art for me and carrying around a black friend like a token and he's just sitting there like uh, I well I never thought about it that way until now and it tackles like legit issues but the way he's acting he's just so like s- not like stunned and just kind of awkward about it it, it makes it easy to digest these issues in the lens how many of comedy I guess um, I think there's 10 episodes but I watched it like two days because it's pretty easy just to go like through them How all. How long is each so episode? Short. Oh, yeah, so like it's like an easy hour. watch. Yeah, it is an easy watch, but it's legit good television. Mm. It's not like a sitcom where you can just put it on in the background. Like you'd want to just sit down and watch yeah, it after it just just put been on. It
2: something, what would you compare yeah. it to? I
0: don't know. I could see a lot of similarities to Atlanta because both about rapper who's trying to get it big and um, it's kind of about him and his mates and just his life in general,' the same type of comedy where it's kind of like a bit weird and skew comedy, so it's not like they're not setting up jokes, it's just things that happen, stuff that they say are funny, but it's not it's at the same time, it's nothing like Atlanta because it's about some middle class Jewish white boy mm. trying to make it in a game where it's dominated by black guys. so I think it's I don't know it's pretty original, I would say sick. Do you have like show? a favorite scene from it? Um, oh, I don't know, man. There's a lot. There's a lot of things that, but there is one episode that's really good. Basically, he becomes friends at the beginning of the series with this guy, who's they meet in the recording like studio, and he becomes the hype man. So the guy who like got the mic behind him, repeating like every last word of his sentence or whatever. You know, hyping him up. General, you know what mm-hmm. hype man is. <laughs> um, and then. It turns out, he, and there's flashbacks in that episode, and then, spoiler alert, everyone, by the way, it turns out that he has, like, bipolar disorder, so he gets really, really hyped, and, like, ah. to a point where it's too much, and then he needs to take meds to, like, bring himself down, and then people, like, he's like, G- his name's Gator, he's like, Gator, what's up, What's up? why are you not hyping, that like, you're just sleeping, and then he talks about, and it's very, very nice to talk about mental health in the hip-hop show, I guess, because it's, like, never talked about. Um, and that like it's one of those shows that is hilarious but then when it gets serious it's like oh damn this is deep got you
2: so it has mm-hmm. spectrum and depth and yeah, yeah, yeah. as well
0: as yeah it has, yeah it has a good amount of depth but it's very it's very funny at the same time
1: I always really like shows like that that are that use comedy to explore like quite deeper issues because I find it yeah it's just more like easy to, to absorb and understand. Um,
0: it draws you into comedy mm-hmm. to make you listen and then it hits you with this deep stuff. Yeah. It's like a Trojan horse of sorts.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. do you say iPlayer? Like BBC iPlayer?
0: Yeah, so there's no excuse not to watch it because it's free or if, <laughs> if you live in the UK. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's good. I like it. It's a really good series. It's funny. It's hilarious. little dicky. I knew he was funny before from his stuff online his music videos mm. and stuff but he's a good writer it turns out like screenwriter and actor
1: I always get like super curious about people like that who are like multifaceted where they're within one industry but they manage to get into another and I think it's I really love hearing about it Um and I want to know the process of how people like dip in and out of different uh like industry well it's the same industry but like different roles Um yeah but I'm not surprised that he'd be a good writer if, like, you know, he does music.
0: Yeah. His, his well, because his music especially is, like, is very satire mm-hmm. rap or comedy oh, rap. Oh, that makes so sense, yeah. It's more story-like than normal hip-hop music. So I think that kind of helps his writing. You can definitely see it inside. Um, and he kind of talks about how it's satire and stuff and no one takes him seriously um and stuff like he doesn't like being compared to like macklemore and beast and like all these other white guy rappers <laughs> He's like I should be up there with like Kanye and Kendrick <laughs> and stuff um, But he's but he's literally rapping about dicks and whatever mm. it's, it's a funny show.
1: <laughs> I like these episodes because I always struggle with um I don't know about you guys like during this lockdown I think i've struggled even more about trying to find series to watch like I spend more time looking for something to watch or like listen to or whatever that actually doing it, yeah. Because then I get tired. I'm just like scrolling, scrolling. I was like, ah, I'm not in the mood for this. I'm not in the mood for this. Um, so it's nice like hearing recommendations. I actually don't know who that guy is. Um, I don't really listen to hip hop or rap or anything like that. So I don't know who that is. But I'm gonna search into it. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it's me the uh, this series that I'm currently watching, which I'm about halfway through. Um, is normal people and i'm sure you guys have seen something about it because it is kicking off um like
0: it's a lot of dicks in it
1: yes it is raunchy it is raunchy it was so funny so like i saw i don't even know if i saw the trailer it. i just saw people talking about it and i had no idea i knew it was based on a book but i had no knowledge about what this thing was about um and then I just kept seeing articles about it, being like, "Oh, it's a super raunchy show." And I was mm. talking to my sister about it, Alex, who is very shy and very like. I
0: can't imagine you talking to her about it.
1: Like, well, I'm very like me. My relationship with Alex is very like I'm very open and like I, I'm like an overshare it with everything anyway. But like, I was talking to. I was like, oh, I'm thinking of watch, starting to watch a series because everyone's talking about it. But I also want to read the book first. But I also feel like I'm going to end up finding out about the series before I find like actually managed to finish reading the book so I might just watch it and she was like oh I watched it the other night like and I, I like stayed up all night and watched the whole series and I was like oh really and she was like it is raunchy like it wasn't something I didn't realize it'd be this raunchy and it made me laugh because I was like well what's Alex's definition of raunchy like it's not going to be my <laughs> definition of raunchy and when I watched it I was like i can't believe she watched this because it is lit- it is like almost like soft porn i guess like you don't <laughs> see anything like obviously like going in and out but they are like fully naked <laughs> <laughs> is that what soft porn is is it like when you can't see anything going in? Yeah, yeah
0: soft porn is when <laughs> you can't see going in and out but this is the way you what you, you said
1: that. yeah <laughs> but um very artful and uh, yeah, tasteful. Um, but yeah, it is very, very raunchy, and it's like, um, I think that's why it's people, a lot of people have been talking about it anyway, just because it's yeah, um, and especially during this lockdown, I think everyone's very horny, and I guess a TV show like this coming out is like, ah, oh, yes, <laughs> um, but <laughs> the reason why I wanted to talk about it wasn't because of like the sex part, but um. I...
0: We get it, we get it, you are
1: lonely. It's because this... So, for me, as you guys know, um, and anyone who's been listening knows, um, I'm very... Like, I love love and I love romance. Um, and whenever a series comes out or a movie comes out that explores... Um, yeah, explores love, I, like obsess over it and I really want to watch it. And what I found with this was it was very different to other shows that I've seen where I think they've shown a very realistic-ish type relationship where, I think, yeah, I think the reason why loads of people are really enjoying this is because they can really relate to the characters. I was watching it and... I don't
0: know. I, don't, I definitely really? did not have that much... I definitely did not have that much interaction oh, no. sexually with people. No, no, but, Nini. like,
1: it, it wasn't <laughs> even about, like, the sex part. Like, I definitely didn't have that... Like, I was watching and I was thinking, like, I don't know what I, they were doing when they were 16. I guess, like, I, I mean, I definitely wasn't doing that. But I mean more kind of emotionally. Um Like, th- I can see myself in both characters. So the way that they showed... Because the series, exp- I'm not explaining this very well, but the way the series <laughs> goes is, um, I feel like I should summarise it first before we're actually going on about it. So the series is about yeah, this what's uh, the series I
0: don't about? Know
2: what about it? You just say like moony sex <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> soft core porn. See
0: rambling. This is and what I'm talking about.
2: Okay. Yeah. So the basically,
1: <laughs> the characters are called Connell and Marianne, um, and it explores their very like on off again relationship over a period of four years so they started seeing each other in high school um and he was a popular kid um and he was like shy within the popular group but he was still within the popular group and those girls fancied him he was sporty but he was also very clever like did really well in school had like I think he was really, really good with writing. And so he ended up studying English at university. And Marianne, she was opposite. She had no friends. Um, She was a bit of an outcast. She was very clever as well, but had that... I think she had that mind frame where people were making fun of her and she thought, well, I know my own worth. Like, I'm fine with it. Like, you don't need to be my friend. Um, But her and Connell become friends because... Connell's family is very poor. Marianne's family is very rich, and she has like a mansion. And Connell's mum, it like cleans for Marianne's family, but Marianne forms quite like a close relationship with his mum. And so whenever he came to pick up his mum from the house, them two would start talking, and that's how their relationship developed. That they found that they were able to be vulnerable with each other emotionally, in a way that they couldn't with other people because Connell's friends were like that. Tip- <laughs> oh, sorry, typical like laddish group. um like imagine like that, that, that popular group in school like that was his friend friendship group so he was able to be honest and open about everything he was feeling with Marianne in the same way that she was able to be like that for him um but because of their different kind of like social standing they kept the relationship private um he basically said to her like you know this could mess things up in school like this could just be awkward like let's keep this in the down though so no one in school knew that they were like seeing each other and sleeping with each other or whatever um and yeah so then that's kind of how the series starts then the next part is their relationship when it gets to university and then after university and yeah so I think firstly I mean I've only seen I'm about midway through slash towards the end of their university relationship um but from what i can see so far is that their exploration of like emotions mental health and like even just a relationship within like young younger years is being really raw and really honest because i think for the most part Whenever TV shows show relationships between teenagers, they always show it as being like super like oh it's not real. It's not real true love or real emotion. It's kind of like, oh, it's just puppy love. But the way I don't know.
0: When I see teenage love one thing, I'm always thinking these teenagers know way more than I did or way more sophisticated emotionally than I was at that age. Really? Yeah, especially like especially like um Coming of age films, like especially. Oh yeah, coming, coming of, age of age films. Age like films
1: I think, yeah, but I think, say for example, with series. I don't know. I think the the level of respect teenage relationships get in comparison to adult relationships get is different, um, and I think th- this series almost validated that. You know, teenagers have these real, true, raw emotions, um, and that was for me something a little. Yeah, I just find it really raw and emotional and realistic because I think it doesn't have that element of, you know, how usually romances, you know that they're going to end up together. There's like, oh, it's going to be a happy ending. Like yeah. here, it's very it's real. It's like so up and down. And there are some parts, and they also don't show the relationship as being this perfect relationship. They show that it is a pretty toxic relationship. Like there are times when they're really good and there are times where they're like, you just want to scream at the character and say like, communicate, like talk to each other, be honest with one another. But they're not. And you're kind of angry at them. But then you also understand that, like, hey, when I was that age, I don't think I could have communicated like that. Or, like, if I was going through problems, I think I would have also been nervous to talk about that kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, it really just tugged at my heartstrings. Um, so much so that I had to stop watching and give myself time to process I was, before I carry I, on watching. I was about with the say, series. like,
2: you sound so emotionally <laughs> invested into this. Like, yeah. the way you spoke a few seconds ago was, like, I'm feeling this heartbreak. I need them to communicate so that it could like help me inside. Like, come on, be my therapy as I watch this. That's what it sounded like.
1: You know, it is. It's so emotional, and I mean, I'm generally just a very emotional person. Like, I I genuinely f- don't finish a lot of series because I feel like I know what's about to happen, and I'm not emotionally like. <laughs> I'm too invested in it that I don't think I'll yeah, be able we know to survive from
0: like last week or something. Yeah,
1: so um, I'm definitely going to finish watching it because there's only I want to say like eight episodes, ten episodes. It's not very long. Um, I think it's so an interesting point you it. said
0: about teenage relationships and what people think that is not real and stuff. Mm. I don't think it's fair to say it isn't a real relationship. I think it's fair to say.
1: No, I don't. It won't think be that. the same when. But I think no, that's, that's what, I'm saying. That's yeah, what I've society, felt, Whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's fair to say that you definitely won't feel the same about that relationship 10 years down the line. I think it's just different. I think it's just like, I think puppy love is kind of understating the fact that teenagers do have, especially teenagers, they're kind of all hormone ridden and emotionally finding themselves and stuff. I think all these relationships they have are definitely real. I just think, you know, it's the early years. That's where you got to start somewhere. You can't just be straight up like proper relationship, knowing how it works.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I completely agree with that. But what I am I mean when I say that is that I think, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Because I, I, the reason why I even said that point was I watched an interview with the actors um, where they started talking about how like teenage relationships aren't, are not just not usually depicted in this way. Um, and yeah. I completely agreed with what they were saying. And I think that the way they described it was that, that it wasn't really teenage relationships aren't usually viewed as like real um or at least teenage emotions aren't considered at the same kind of level as um adult emotions and adult relationships but i do understand that like i think obviously every relationship starts from somewhere every like you're always going to have that first relationship that first boyfriend that first girlfriend that first experience um and it's always like a starting point and a learning point um But i think i don't know at least when i was watching it i felt very even though like i was very late like i didn't date or anything like that until i got teeny um i still could feel that i related to the characters and their emotions quite a lot um and it was just really heartbreaking i just i like i kind of view them as like oh if these were my friends i would just oh god I'd shake them so hard, like come on.
0: Do you think? Do you think if I watched it, I'd get annoyed? You know how I, I get annoyed. I think at you would get annoyed. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that just says a lot I do about think your you character, get annoyed. Connor. Would I get annoyed over a soppy? Yeah, just what romantic uh, series?
0: No, no, I'm not getting annoyed over it's being soppy. It's I get annoyed at people being idiots. Well, that, well,
2: clearly, can you not see how emotionally invested she is into the series that like, it was not run by idiots?
0: Yeah, that's fine. Just because you're emotionally invested doesn't mean you can't find them idiots. And Jem said to himself that people find these people very annoying.
1: I, I mean, I don't think anyone would find them annoying as such. Okay, well. But well, I think thanks, you would yeah. probably find them annoying.
2: <laughs> I think you would find people like Logan Paul on YouTube annoying.
0: I mean, doesn't everyone find him annoying?
1: Yeah, I
2: hope so. He's got such a punchable yeah, face. Yeah. Although he has been doing some pretty good podcasts lately.
1: I just don't like that guy.
0: No, it's just, it's just He's like so problematic. He, he's like he's he's like he's like the personification of every annoying white kid I grew up with. But anyway But
1: I'm not a fan of him or his brother. But yes, that will be something we'll talk about <laughs> 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 no, I would highly, highly recommend you guys watch um Normal People, even though Connor, kind of, you'd probably get annoyed with it, I still would say give it a try. Um I really want to read the book now because I feel like the book probably well, I don't even think it would be that that, that much better because the um, author of the book. Surely so it's quite to visual write... and
0: like emotional. Yeah, yeah, it'll be
1: more emotional. I think it'll go into more depth. Um, but the author of the book also helped to write the um, script for this, so I you're think more
0: authors, like you see more literacy authors, write screenplays now. It's very interesting.
2: But uh, no, I, I personally am also very emotional. I I think I would appreciate a series like Normal People. The only thing I can compare mm. it to is maybe like sex ed, but it has its own vibe. It's very much mo-
0: sex ed is a comedy though. I, I actually think it's the
2: think same. I think it
1: was, Oh wait, no, maybe it wasn't. No, now I'm thinking about a different show. Don't but, worry. But it's me.
2: still talking about, you know, teenage relationships, but obviously, you know, yeah. one of them has more of a, yeah. uh, yeah, like a comedy aspect and approach. Mm-hmm. But this one that you're talking about, Gem, sounds like, um, something we, yeah, we should have more of, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, there was an interesting point when you talked about uh how teenage relationships aren't regarded as real ones, you know? And and mm-hmm. I think maybe um because of the way the world is right now where globalization is happening and the spread of information is so much quicker, we are having more mm. intelligent teenagers, like emotionally yeah. intelligent ones compared to Yeah, for sure. Uh like when our we were age. kids. Uh, sorry, when yeah. we were that that age because I have got a friend that like basically she was a student of mine that I used to teach and she's about fourteen now, and she writes some deep poems like spoken word poetry and I was like, oh nice. I did not think in this way at all when I was fourteen <laughs> years old. Um,
0: I think I think it's a double edged sword though because I think even though they get more emotionally intelligent, I think they might be getting too emotionally confident. No, I, it, it depends. <laughs> That's the wrong like word. It, it depends on, get... I think,
2: on the character of the person. If they use it and as how a, you channel it. if they use it as a pedestal to be like, Oh, because yeah. I have this emotional intelligence, I am this. That's like how I guess, you know, the, the spiritual people see themselves. They use it as a pedestal. But if you use it correctly yeah. No,
0: what I'm saying is um when teenagers think what they are now or their emotional intelligence is the end or be all because they're learning so much, a lot of a lot, I see a lot of them starting to think that that is like they have arrived at you know the end of the, uh, I, the end of as their in road like they're, they're, in they
1: can't grow anymore as in they're like yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah.
2: I think for me personally I've, I've not seen that but I have seen yeah. like other very talented uh, young people who have a very deep approach to things and yet they still have this strive and hunger to keep on learning so yeah I, me I, too. I, I think I've seen more of a positive than than the negative um me too yeah so you know going back to the idea of like oh teenage relationships um yeah i, I think there's definitely scope for it to to be expanded on especially with this new kind of audience
1: yeah and for sure. that's why
2: probably why it resonates with us um more because we've we've had to go through that um stage you know we've been through that you know
1: mm. i've got to say like yeah. even the, the actors um that are in normal people are j- incredibly talented like it just felt yeah. i mean yes that too paul mescal is but yeah it's a really really great series and i'm gonna try and finish it this week but I would really highly recommend you guys watch it and let me know what you think. And if you want to ring me up crying about it, we can cry together.
0: <laughs> I don't cry at TV shows or movies, really. <gasps> uh,
1: you cold, cold, cold man.
0: <laughs> Excuse Okay, look. I don't like this narrative that's being pushed right here. That I'm like cold, calculated and like I find everyone annoying. Okay. I watch a lot of good <laughs> Like romantic, emotional things. Beale Street? I watched If Beale Street Could Talk. Everyone should watch that. It's great. Barry Jenkins. Amazing.
2: I mean, these are things that you've said, so we're just twisting it. But yeah. You're you're fueling the fire (laughs) as well, you know. (laughs) Fuck you, guys.
0: (laughs) Okay?
1: Uh, Okay. Well, that was our... (laughs)
0: That's the episode. Our
1: episode. Um, Can't know where can they find us.
0: You can find us on at Rice's rice Pod on Instagram, at Rice's Rest underscore Pod on Twitter, and Rice's on YouTube. Like also, uh, follow Kieran on his stuff.
2: Woo. Yeah, follow me on um, Instagram, Kieran Lay official. If you do TikTok, KieranLay.official. And that's me.
0: Have we lost Jem? I think we lost Jem. Yeah, she, she's frozen. Okay, I guess we just we'll just say bye about her then.
2: Bye. Bye guys.
0: Don't forget every episode every Wednesday and get some rice in your life.
1: <laughs> Sorry, technical difficulties. Okay. <laughs> bye. I'm still recording. Oops, bye.